We're starting a new sermon series, and I'd like you to repeat after me. I'm not weird. I'm gifted. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts for the next few weeks. And it's a topic which most of us here at the well are fairly familiar with if you've been coming for a while. But on the other hand, it's one of those things we often don't put to work. It's like a bunch of power tools that never get used, and they start to have spiders living in them and all that kind of stuff, and dust. And it's important that we dust off those gifts and get engaged again with the gifts. This is a very good time to get engaged with the gifts. My name is Dave Householder, blessed to be your Bible teacher. And we're joined by, by the way, by our daughter church, the Well at Wildrose Country today. And we're very blessed to have them join us and people from all over the world, the Philippines, Holland, everywhere else. So we're so glad that you're here with us. And we're all going to talk about spiritual gifts together. We were talking in our prayer group this morning. And you're all welcome to come to the prayer meeting. And if those of you who are uh, out of the area would like to join us, let me know and we'll find a way to, to wire you into our meeting. It's really easy to do. I'd like to show you a picture of the church where I grew up. This is American Lutheran in Kellogg, Idaho, northern Idaho. I was raised in northern Idaho. And I always thought it was a dumb name for the church. Of course it's American Lutheran. It's in Idaho. Uh, it just You would just think, well, yeah, Duh, you know, that's uh, people would ask me what church I go to. Well, I go to American Lutheran. Well, what other kind is there in Idaho? You know, it's just odd. But uh, cute little church and grew up there with friendly people, people who believed the Bible, people who were good to each other, multi-generational gang. It was a mining town. We had a lead and silver mine next door and a, and a lead smelter. And uh, yeah, it was it was really nice, but I never once heard the phrase spiritual gifts. Never once, never heard the phrase. I had no idea what it was. And in our group uh, prayer group this morning, we had people say the same thing about the churches they grew up in. They never heard the phrase spiritual gifts, and yet we believe the Bible. We just kind of skateboarded over those passages, and we believe they were true. We just ignored them. You can believe things are true and just ignore them. You can believe that. Calculus is true, but you could ignore it. You know, it just it's there, but you just leave it alone. Kathy is uh, nodding very uh, vigorously next to her uh, engineer husband, who uh, could do calculus just without even thinking. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to First Corinthians twelve, verse one. One of the problems is that we're just we don't know enough about spiritual gifts. And if we don't know enough about spiritual gifts, very often we uh, are afraid to use them. If you don't know something about a power tool, a skill saw, how it works, how the safety thing on it works, that kind of thing, you're less apt to want to use it. My, my slide keeps going back to the last one. Could you kind of help me with that in the back there to make sure we're on the Bible passage? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. We need to learn about them. The word gifts is italicized, and if you see that in your English Bible, that means that word is not in the original text. The original text says, now concerning spiritual things, pneumaticon, spiritual things. Concerning spiritual things, I don't want you to be ignorant. And we live in a culture that is not especially spiritual. Ninety-some percent of Americans, I'm sure Canadians and other people listening in too, believe in God or a higher power. But very few people have what I would call a supernatural worldview, that they believe that God talks to them, that they believe that they have access to spiritual gifts, that miracles happen, those kinds of things. 
And I was raised in a wonderful church that didn't talk much about spiritual things. We had Sunday school. We learned Bible verses. We memorized them. We had VBS. We did all that stuff. But we were ignorant about spiritual gifts. We weren't against them. We just didn't know anything about them. And so about spiritual things, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. So we're going to start with some vocabulary. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, it says pneumaticon, in English, pneumatics. Who knows what uh, the tires on your car are called? They're called what? Pneumatic tires. What happens when you get pneumonia? You get pneumonia, it's a disease of the breath. You have trouble breathing because your lungs are inflamed or they're filling up with liquid or, or something like that. And so pneumonia is breath disease, literally, in Greek. And to, pneu, I can't even say that. Pneumatic tires are the kind of tires that you put air into, like your bicycle tires or your car tires or whatever. And so pneumatics is basically the study of breath or spiritual things. And both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the word for breath and spirit are the same. Pneuma, pneuma in the New Testament, ruach in the Old Testament. Both the Greeks and the Hebrews didn't have a separate word for breath and spirit. It was the same word. And what did your mom say to you when you got all worked up? Now just take a deep, take a deep breath. And breath is a perfect metaphor for spirit. If you think about it, we're all sharing the same breath in this room. We have access to the same breath. It goes into our lungs. We're wearing these masks to make sure that the icky little critters don't uh, float into our lungs. But spirit is something that we share with other people. There is one Holy Spirit, and we take part in the Holy Spirit's life, and we also take part in the atmosphere. It's like the breath. And so pneumatics, the study of spiritual things. Charisma, charismatic, this is in verse 4. And we're going to look at that. Well, let's look at that right now. We'll come back to this list. There are diversities of gifts, and the word in Greek is charisma. When someone has charisma, we say that he or she is gifted. That person is gifted up in front of people, just gifted with leadership. When John F. Kennedy was president, everybody says he's got so much charisma. You know, he's just up there. And people who can, can hold a crowd and people who can talk for an hour and a half and people just listen, that's charisma. So there are diversities of charismata, charisma. And so let's go back to that word. A charismatic church is a church that embraces spiritual gifts. So charisma is the name of the magazine that comes out once a month for spirit-filled churches, which I get. And it's a wonderful magazine. And I get to read what's happening all around the world. And so we are a church here, the well, that embraces spiritual gifts that we believe as Pastor Joe Johnson, if you don't know Pastor Joe Johnson, says everybody gets to play. We are a participatory Christianity. We all get to operate in our gifts. It's not just a spectator sport. Christianity is something we get to take part in. The Spanish word gracias comes from charisma. It's uh, words kind of change and morph over time. And when someone gives you something, what do you say in Spanish? You say gracias, which means grace or that was a gift. That was a gift. Thank you for the gift. I didn't earn that, is what you're saying. You say thank you for something you didn't earn. Somebody gives you something, gives you a bite of their Hershey bar or whatever, and uh, you say thanks. That's uh, gracias. That's something you just gave me. And there's a big difference between things we earn and things we are given. 
a paycheck is not a gift. A paycheck is an exchange. It's a, you give something, they give something back. You say gracias when somebody does something, something for you they don't have to do. It's just a politeness or a little bit of uh, uh, grace towards you. The word grace comes from gracias. The word gratitude comes from that. And gratitude, I've said so many times, if you get nothing else from this message, gratitude is the royal road into God's presence. If we can cultivate gratitude, uh, we're going to find ourselves in the throne room. That's just the way that works. Gratitude is uh, is a key for operating in spiritual gifts. And right now, there's not a lot of gratitude in our culture. We're kind of crabby out there. I posted something last night, got an argument about taxes with somebody, and it got so worked up that I didn't get to sleep till later. And this morning, I just deleted it because it just it's crabby. I, I don't want to create more heat than light on things. And I was just being all opinionated and other people were being opinionated. And next thing you know, it just escalated like this. Who thinks that can happen online? Uh, it just uh, it escalated like this. And this morning I just deleted it. I, thought, I, I don't want to take part in that because crabbiness robs us of our gratitude. You can't be crabby and, and gratitude filled at the same time. It's kind of hard unless you've got more bandwidth than I do. You can be one or the other. I also like to use the word operating operating in spiritual gifts rather than having spiritual gifts. I'm not saying you can't say I have a spiritual gift, but the truth is the source of spiritual gifts is from outside of us, and we don't really own them. Uh, we operate in them. I like to say I can operate in the gift of teaching. I can operate in the gift of prophecy. I can operate in the gift of healing, and uh, I don't own the gift. So just practice that. Uh, try that with me. I'm operating, I'm operating. in this spiritual gift. By God's, grace. by God's grace. And it's a gift. It's not something we earn. In fact, nothing really is what we earn. Uh, we receive everything from God. All good gifts come from God. We thank God for them. And we don't really even, we don't even generate any energy. We get energy from food. Think about it. Food is stored solar energy. Plants are, they soak up the sun and they create fruit and vegetables for us. Then the animals eat them and all the way up the food chain. And that energy comes all the way through. And we get our energy from the outside. Light comes from the outside. We don't generate any light. We don't generate life. Life is a gift from God. I mean, think about it. It's all about receiving what's free for us. And when we get a lot of free stuff from God, the, the appropriate emotion is gratitude. And the more we can cultivate gratitude, the more open we're going to be to spiritual gifts the more we're going to operate in them. Wendy had a gratitude book she worked on for a while at night. She would write the things she was great, grateful for, and that really blessed her. She ended up sleeping better and uh, ended up being in a better mood. And folks, really, we're faced with that, that fork in the road every day. Am I going to be crabby today or am I going to be grateful? Am I going to focus? It doesn't mean to pretend that bad things aren't happening because bad things are happening around us right now but to be grateful in the midst of it. Not to be grateful for those things, but to be grateful in the midst of those things. As Kim was singing, we won't be shaken by those things. Those things are real. And those problems our country is facing right now are real. The question is, are we going to remain grateful during those difficult things? So that's the vocab. Pneumatics, charisma, charismatic, gracias, grace, gratitude, operating in certain gifts, because the source is outside of us. 1 Corinthians 12.4, diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Diver 
diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Rosalie over there, by the way, who just spoke up, Rosalie has a new knee, and she showed up in church anyways. Isn't that cool? Very impressive. Very impressive. She is basically totally unsinkable. I can't even imagine going into knee surgery with, with uh, the kind of attitude you go through. You went into it. Rosalie was just amazing. But anyways, I'm old enough to remember the Christmas catalog. This is the 1966 Christmas catalog, which we had in our house, and I remember the picture. This, uh, this was something, for those of you who are younger than me, and most of you, or over half of you in the room, are a little younger than me, the case is that we used to get these things for free. It would show up at your house. And you would spend hours in this thing if you were a kid growing up in the 60s. You'd go through the Christmas catalog. Who remembers the little stars you used to lick, the, the, the little stars and stick on things? Did they still do Teachers still do that? Put little shiny stars on? They're sticky now. But they used, we used to lick them, and they had a certain taste to them, and you'd, you'd, stick them on the, you'd stick them in the pages for stuff you really liked. I had a little box of stars, and I would lick them, and I would, uh, I would put stuff on there. And my brother Mike was so funny, my little brother Mike. Mike's the perfect one. But anyways, uh, he's, uh, Mike, uh, Mike for Christmas got so into the Christmas catalog. He would just, you know, he would put his initials by the stars. You know, this is what I want. That's what I want. This is what I want. And I still remember one Christmas down there with the presents. He was so excited. He got so into this stuff. And there was this huge present for him. And he opened it up. And it was a croquet set. And he looked at it. Didn't remember marking that one. And his eyes started to well up with tears. His voice started to shake. He said, Mom and Dad, thanks for the croquet set. And he burst into tears and ran out of the room. It was just, uh, and so they decided they would get him something else. They just kind of blew it on that one and uh, got him the wrong thing. But uh, yeah, it's a, there's a sense of expectation that he had that we can have for gifts. Think about it. Uh, cultivating a sense of expectation for the Lord to have us operate in spiritual gifts. And some of them are really cool. I mean, think about it. Think about the gift of healing. Putting your hand on someone's shoulder and praying for them and feeling the power of God flow through you and seeing the person get better. That's pretty cool. That's really cool stuff. And it, it, to have that expectation for these gifts and to go through these lists and put little stars by the ones that you want to operate in, and cultivating that sense of expectation. That was Linda's idea at the prayer meeting this morning. Talked about we, we lack a sense of expectation sometimes. And that cultivating of a sense of expectation. Well, there's three main spiritual gifts, gifts lists. That's hard to say. Spiritual gifts lists in the Bible. And Paul wrote all of them. Romans 12, 6 and following. Ephesians 4, 11 and following. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 and following, and another list in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and following. Now, there's other spiritual gifts in the Bible, too. Bezalel, in the book of Exodus, was says the Holy Spirit fell on him and gave him a gift of craftsmanship, and he built the, he built the tabernacle, which is really cool stuff. And craftsmanship is one of those gifts. Uh, Isaiah received the spiritual gift of prophecy. And we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about another guy here in just a second, Gideon. So there's other spiritual gifts throughout the Bible where the Holy Spirit comes on someone and they're able to do big things. Samson, the Holy Spirit came on him and he was able to defeat the Phil the Philistines. So there are lists of spiritual gifts, but here's the here's the deal. 
Paul, who wrote these three lists or these three passages here, is not a linear thinker. He's not like you are, Dave, being an engineer and, and having things straight and in order. Or you, um, John, with your accounting, you have to keep things in order. That's what you do for people. Paul was all over the place. He was very random. And you're never going to be able to outline one of his letters because you could outline it again tomorrow. It'll be a different outline. He, he doesn't write in a straight line. That's just the way he is. And so none of these lists are exhaustive. What do I mean by that? God can create spiritual gifts. Now, he, he, Paul, when he's writing to these churches, he's starting a conversation with them. And he expects the conversation to go on. And he expects us to continue the conversation. What the Bible gives us in Paul's letters is a jumping off point for these conversations about spiritual gifts. He never writes a theology of spiritual gifts. We have to have a discussion with his stuff, and we're going to do that for the next few weeks. We're going to continue the discussion that he started, and we're going to bring that discussion into our congregation. So what's preventing us from full use of the gifts as individuals and as a congregation? I really believe that we at the well are pro-spiritual gifts. I don't think anybody here would say we're against them. Paul was wrong. We shouldn't operate in them. I don't think anybody thinks that. But the truth is we don't really operate in them all that much sometimes. And those gifts go dormant or passive on us. It happens to us as individuals. It happens to us as a congregation. We have to continue to cultivate the gifts for that to happen. There's four things I see. There might be more because just like Paul, it's not an exhaustive list. But there's four things I see that keep us from operating more in the gifts as a congregation. First one, fear. Some of the spiritual gifts are fairly dramatic. Some of them are not something you'd put on a job application. You know, you're, you're uh, let's say you're... Um, applying for a job at Trader Joe's and you put on there, I speak in tongues and raise the dead. You know, just it, it, it's, it's certain things which are sort of not normal in our culture, not normal in our culture. And so some of these spiritual gifts are a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit scary. So losing control, you know, if I, if I ask for the spiritual gift of prophecy, am I going to be in the vegetable aisle at, at Albertsons and all of a sudden I'm going to start speaking for the Lord? You know, thus says the Lord, you know, and so we, it's, there's a fear there, especially of the more dramatic gifts. And what if you start operating the gift of healing and then you're put on the spot because, you know, you've got to, you've got to pray over somebody and you're thinking, well, what if they don't get healed? What am I going to say? Uh, what do I do with this powerful gift? Can't I get one of the little gifts that are a little bit less flashy? Uh, the gift of service, for instance. Then I can just kind of work around the back and nobody will know what I'm doing. So there's a fear of some of the gifts. Fear of losing control. And also, our worldview in North America is not very spiritual. And we're not encouraged to think spiritual things. I mean, how many of our leaders right now of any kind, corporate leaders, government leaders, are saying, we really need to seek the Lord to get through this COVID thing. I don't hear that. Let's get together and seek the Lord and see what he wants us to do. No, but everyone's got an opinion, but nobody's asking the Lord as to what we should be doing in these times. So I really do believe that that is a big challenge, the fear. Uh, and fear was epitomized by a guy named Gideon. 
if you'll turn to the Gideon slide, folks, down there. I'm having a little trouble moving the slides. There we go. There's Gideon. And an angel of the Lord showed up to Gideon. And the people of Israel were being oppressed by the Midianites. And the Midianites were just wailing on them, you know, just basically uh, uh, smashing up their, their storefronts and stealing their TVs and, and looting and doing all kinds of stuff. And so the Midianites were, you know, they were bad dudes. And Gideon, far from being a leader, was treading out the grain inside of a silo so the Midianites wouldn't see him. So he's probably the least brave person in all of Israel. And this angel comes up to him and says, Hail, brave Gideon, mighty warrior. And Gideon's going, me? You know, it's just a, it just wasn't the kind of guy who was going to do that. But the Holy Spirit came on Gideon, and Gideon defeated the Midianites. And what I want to say about that is if you're afraid of spiritual gifts, you're afraid of those things, you're in good company. One of the heroes of the Bible was afraid of operating in God's power. But he came through anyways, through a conversation with God back and forth as to how many troops he could bring and which of his troops drank water like lapping up like a dog and which ones used their hands, which I think is a really funny illustration. But they just goofy stuff. But he had a conversation with God about his fear. And they worked it out together. And he was able to operate in that gift because he worked through the fear that he had. Who thinks that he should have had fear facing the Midianites? Yeah, exactly. This, it was an appropriate fear. These were people that were looting and raiding. And those are people you don't want to go confront. Who here loves confrontation? I mean, it, yeah, you need to go tell your boss that he's doing yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it, it's not something we like. And he didn't either. But the Holy Spirit came on him. So I think fear is one of those things that keeps us from operating in spiritual gifts. And fear also, according to the story of Gideon, can be overcome. So that's a good, good thing. First John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. So if we're afraid, one of the things we can ask for is more, more love from God. And the more love we have, the less fear we have. The Bible says that if you fill up a if you fill up this water thing with lots of water, whatever was in there before is going to flush out. So we can ask for the Lord to give us that. The second uh, thing which keeps us from operating as spiritual gifts is feeling like we're not worthy. My favorite illustration of this is from Monty Python. Now, some of you younger people have no idea who I'm talking about, but there was a little TV show called Monty Python, and they did a little shtick once in a while with God in it. And God was a cartoon character who came down from heaven and he was just bump, 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 and he was in, in, the, in the clouds. And all the people would hit the ground. Oh, Lord, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Oh. And the Lord would always say the same thing. Stop groveling. I hate groveling. Stand up. Stand up and talk to me. And there's something to that. This not worthy business is just, I mean, if God made us, we're telling him that he created something that wasn't. Worthy. The Bible tells us walk boldly into the throne room of God. You belong there. You belong in that room. Anytime you walk into any room, by the way, walk in there like you belong there. I mean, that's, that's just a normal thing to do. Have some confidence. And the, the idea that we're not worthy is really a goofy form of like humble bragging. Do you guys know people that do humble bragging? 
I can't believe my son got chosen to do this wonderful thing. He got, you know, just, isn't it just amazing that a teacher picked him out? Who would believe it? It's, it's this, this sort of, this sort of thing that, oh, I'm not worthy. It's this humble, you know, it's just, it comes across as so pious. But God didn't create junk and he didn't create unworthy people. That's not the way that works. It doesn't like it when we act that way. He wants us to have a bold, upfront relationship with him. King David, for goodness sake, he, he has a very honest relationship with God in the Psalms and just comes right at him with his problems and the challenges that uh, he's facing. Let's look at, uh, at Luke 12, verses 6 through 7. This is uh, Jesus talking. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many of more value than many sparrows. You are worth a lot. You are the crown of God's creation. You have access to the power of God. That's really cool stuff. So fear, feeling not worthy, those are two of them. A third one that I was able to come up with is that the gifts are somehow scarce. That God doesn't really have that many, and so we better not ask for it. It's kind of like pretending our parents can't afford something. Uh, the idea that God somehow doesn't, I, I think there's warehouses of gifts that we never, op, we never even receive. That's something I'm not sure we're going to like when we get to heaven, is we're going to see all the things that were offered to us that uh, we just didn't receive. And not just spiritual things, material things. Um, missed out on abundance, missed out on relationships, missed out on all kinds of things because we just didn't receive them. And I think that uh, this idea that somehow there's not enough gifts to go around is just not biblical. If you look at Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Think about that. More, he's able to give us way more than we ever could even ask for. There is an abundance of gifts, not a scarcity of gifts. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And the fourth and last one, lack of access. Oh, I'd like to operate in that gift, but the Lord hasn't given it to me. He probably won't. The idea that we don't have access to certain gifts. Now, the Bible is very clear that the gifts are a both-and thing, not an either-or thing. What do I mean by that? I really believe we can operate in all of them, but usually we operate in the ones that God uses over and over for the good of the body. And he talks about the body having many parts. I've got hands, I've got knees, I've got feet. Rosalie has a new knee over there. You know, we all have different parts. And we all fit together. This is used in the Bible about spiritual gifts. We all use our gifts for the good of the body. But the truth is, in every cell of your body, there's DNA that can recreate everything. In every cell of, the, every cell of your hand is your full DNA, including your feet and your hair and everything else. You have a complete package, and we can operate in any gift at any time should the Lord need us to. And the idea that some gifts are out of bounds for us, because God just doesn't want us to have the gift of mercy. Why wouldn't, if you were to ask God for the gift of mercy, why wouldn't he give you that? Of course he would. Who thinks that God doesn't want us to be merciful? I mean, things like that, uh, it, he just doesn't, it's like the humble, humble brag again. 
And if you look here at uh, Galatians 2.20, Lynn Theraldson in our men's group on Monday morning pointed this out as a brilliant insight. We were talking about how maybe we don't have access to certain gifts. And this is the verse that Lynn gave us. He said, uh, I've been crucified with Christ, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Lynn said, if Jesus lives inside of you, Jesus has access to all the spiritual gifts, and so do you. If he's living inside of you, if he's living inside, Jesus living inside of you, there is nothing that Jesus can't do through you if he needs to. Now, there's certain spiritual gifts we operate in on a habitual basis because those are gifts which we are, have really developed over time. And those are gifts that we want to give to the body. But there is nothing that's out of bounds for you to use if you need to use that gift. So be a little bit lavish in putting stars in your, in your wish book and a little bit less tentative. I have actually heard people, and this is, I know this is kind of psychobabble, but I've heard people say, well, I've asked for these more dramatic gifts, but the Lord hasn't given them to me yet. I'm thinking, okay, what you're really saying is that you don't want that gift and you're just putting pious language around it because it's too scary for you. And people do that. It happens all the time. You say, well, I really don't want that gift. I don't want to operate in that gift. So practicalities. Number one, think about breath this week. Breath is the word for spirit in the Bible. Think about breath. There's something about paying attention to your breath that helps us think spiritually. It just does. It helps us think spiritually, paying attention to breathing. It is such a key thing. And it's such an easy thing to remind us. Who here can go a whole week without thinking about breathing? I can. Uh, it's, it's easy to do. But the more aware we are of that in our prayer life, the more we calm down and pay attention. As our mother would say, just take a deep breath. Spiritual exploration and experimentation. Try some things. Tamara had a great teaching a few years ago on prophecy, on the best way to learn how to to prophesy, to speak for God, thus says the Lord, is to practice it and be willing to make mistakes. Isn't that true of anything? If you want to learn to play piano, practice and be willing to make mistakes. Guitar, learning a language, whatever. Wendy hates it when I speak French because I'm terrible at French, but I just jump right in there and start speaking French to people if they speak French. And it sounds horrible, but uh, you just dive in. That's the only way to do it. If you're tentative learning a language, you'll never learn it. you got to just jump in. John jumps in all the time with crazy classes he takes. He, he'll take a class in, in state income tax or state uh, value, state uh, sales tax stuff. Who does that? But you, but you jump in, you jump in and you start doing it and you're willing to make mistakes when you're learning and you, you, you work it out. It's, it's just a matter of, of doing that. Robert's been asked to uh, refit the whole building at Pacific Life a few times. Um, and you don't know how to do that when you start. You just jump in. You just jump in and start doing it and practice, and you're willing to make mistakes and do some stuff. And, uh, yeah, just a little exploration spiritually. Try some things. When you're by yourself in your prayer time, ask the Lord, uh, uh, teach me to speak for you. Give me, a, give me a prophetic word that I can share with somebody. Practice a little bit. Uh, put a hand on someone's shoulder and pray for them. And raise your level of expectation to what kind of healing could happen. 
work on some of those things and step out with just a little bit of risk and trust. Try some things that are a little, a little edgy for you. Who thinks we learn best at the growing edge where we push, push it out a little bit. Who here has known older people where their world gets very, very small. It just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. It's the same with our spirituality. Unless we push it out and risk and trust once in a while, it can tend to collapse on us. And next thing you know, we just say yes to Jesus, and we read the Bible once, and that's about it. There's nothing left to it. It's just dormant. We have to continue to risk and trust, to try things, spiritual exploration, experimentation. Be a little risky in your prayers. Step out in faith a little bit for something that isn't that reasonable. Think in terms of your finances, your vocation. Uh, Well, I can't really get a good job. Well, what what if you stepped out? in looking for that job or that new relationship and really went for it to the point where you could fail. What if you did that? Third one, both and thinking. So many people who don't want to operate in spiritual gifts say, well, this is just my gift right here. And I could say, well, I don't have the gift of administration or I don't have the gift of mercy, but there are times when I need to do those things. There are times where all Christians are called to be merciful, and there's times where all Christians are called to get their act together and administrate a little bit, make some things happen. We need to see both and thinking. There's going to be some home-based gifts that you operate in. We're going to talk about those, especially the ones from Romans that we're kind of born with. And there's some other ones that we have to kind of stretch a little bit to move into. Wendy's going to a prayer group on Wednesday mornings, and she said just yesterday, It's the first time I've been going to a group where we just pray for a long period of time every single week and stretching you. And that stretching is creating a stronger prayer life. So experiment a little bit. Lord, what would you have me do today? Ask him some questions. Have a wish book as we go through these spiritual gifts lists. Start checking them off in your Bible, ones that you'd like to operate in ones that you would really like to uh, have God move in you and through you in doing. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Now, Bill mentioned in our prayer group, yeah, but he doesn't tell us what the best gifts are. That's true. Paul just is very random. He says, go after the best gifts. Well, what are they? Okay. You know, it's, it's, it, he likes prophecy, Paul does, but it's, he doesn't think systematically. And I think the Bible leaves that open on purpose. What are the best gifts for you to operate in? What are the best gifts that show love most through you? What are the gifts that build up the body of Christ most? What are the gifts that that best bring out the best in you and in other people and serve other people? So what I'd like to do is just uh, pray for the Holy Spirit to come. I'm going to ask Tamara to come up. But I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit to come. And then we're just going to we're going to experiment a little bit. What we're going to do is we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us. And I'd like for some of you who do this all the time just to go ahead and tell us what the Lord's saying to you. But I'd like some of you to to risk a little bit and ask the Lord, what would you have me share with the group? And uh, we'll just do that until I feel like we've gone far enough. Do we have a microphone we can pass around at all, Kim? We have like a handheld. Okay. I'll just repeat after. 
So if you have something to share, just give it to me in a few words. Give it, give it to me in a few words. And I'll repeat it for the folks online. So uh, let's just enter a time of letting the Lord speak to us and stretching and experimenting a little bit. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, speak to your people. We're in the presence of a father, you, Lord, who speaks. And Lord, I pray for opportunities for people to listen to you this week and pay attention to their giftedness. So Lord, we pray that you would uh, speak to your people. We know that you've got more talk than we've got listened, so we pray that you would open up our listen, that we'd be able to hear from you. So if you've got something that the Lord's sharing with you, just go ahead and share that out loud, and I'll repeat it for the for the folks listening in from outside. Harbor, Fairview, South Coast. Three words I saw on the freeway as I came up the freeway. Harbor, Fairview, South Coast. Three words that Bill saw on the freeway. And what Bill heard was the Lord wants us to take people, guide people from the south coast down the Lord's Highway, which is a Fairview Road, into a safe harbor. Linda sees an extension cord and a plug, and there's so much power when we connect. But we have to make that move to connect, to bring power into our lives. Our spiritual gifts can be as simple as what Jill is doing outside, taking care of all the flowers in the air. Our spiritual gifts can be as simple as gardening, as Joan is doing outside, taking care of the plants and the flowers, which are beautiful, by the way. Also, that is not a lesser gift. That is a very important gift. And that is not a lesser gift. It's a very important gift. The most important gift is always the one we're operating in right now. Wearing, wearing masks in public, there's a deficit of smiles. And sometimes just smiling at people and looking them in the eye can lift them up. And as Linda was sharing that, I was just, uh, I got a word from the Lord that uh, we need to teach our eyes to smile.
God told me a while ago that a smile is a hug with your eyes. Ooh. God told Kathy that a smile is a hug with your eyes. Everyone has gifts. No one has no gifts. Perhaps we should ask others what gifts they see in us. Which is in itself a risky thing to do. Doing something like putting your hand on a person's shoulder and telling them that Jesus loves them very much. Putting your hand on someone's shoulder and saying Jesus loves you very much could be life-changing for that person. Some of you might be getting a picture. Some of you might be getting a phrase or a feeling. We'll wait for one more. I'm sensing somebody's got something, but you're not sure about risking it. Sometimes we worry too much about living in the past or the future, but being present in the present, sometimes the present is Ooh. Sometimes we spend too much time living in the past or the future, Matt said. But living in the present, present means gift as well. Wow. That's beautiful. That's a good thing to end on. Lord, uh, we give you thanks for speaking through your people. Help us to experiment a little bit with you and uh, try some things and practice this week. Practice your presence and the presence you give us. Give you thanks for the gift of life, Lord, the gift of each other. We pray all this in name of the great gift giver the great gift giver jesus himself amen amen thank you house sorry i was looking at slides did it change it didn't change i don't know so okay um it'll change soon i don't know uh with the gifts it's um you know it doesn't matter I was thinking about this this morning. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You, God will give you gifts to use. Um, growing, I didn't grow up in the church, and yet I operated in the gifts all the time. I didn't know what they were, but I operated in them. And because I only had a worldview, I looked for the world's view answer to my gifts. Um, 
And it wasn't until I became a Christian and started learning more about the gifts that I understood what happened when I was a kid. And I was actually operating in the gifts, not having ESP or any of those psychic abilities or anything like that. So I think a lot of times when we are kids, we operate in gifts. We don't know about them because we don't talk about them enough, especially with kids. And we get afraid of them and we snuff them out and then we become adults and we don't know why we don't have the gifts. It's because we snuffed them out as kids. So this week, as you're going about your business, ask God to show you what gifts he had given you as a child because he gave you gifts. You've operated in gifts as a child because as kids, they're open to everything. They do everything. They believe everything. It's when we get to teenage-ish years, <laughs> we, we start to snuff things out. So um, this week, ask God and to show you what he had you operating in as a child, or just start remembering things that happened in your childhood that could be a gift. And if he gave it to you then, he wants you to operate in it now. I mean, that took me a while to figure that out, but that's he really does want you to do that. And while we're doing this, I saw I it was like a desert road, like a two lane road in the desert. And I saw a big wall of clouds in front of me. And all I heard was it's coming. So get ready because it's coming. I don't know what it is, but it's coming. So we want to pray for you. We want to get to know you. Yeah, we're going into announcements. Um, there are connection cards on your chairs. Go ahead and fill those out. And we did get some new connection cards. They're not going to be the glossy, so hopefully they'll be easier to uh, write on. We just got them. I just brought them today, so they're not out today, but they will be next week. Um, so fill those out. Put them in the box um, because we want to get to know you. We want to pray for you. If you are online and you want us to pray for you, go to your Facebook, um, and we have a prayer wall there. Put it there. You can email me. Um, I send out the prayer request Monday night, Tuesday, somewhere in there. So please um, get those to me as well because we do want to pray for you. Next slide. So I think we have a new member. I, I'm going to step aside. I know, isn't she a gorgeous? Um, little Ellie was born on Thursday evening. Mom and dad and baby and big brother are home and doing great. And she is precious. I haven't seen her yet, but Kathy and Dave have. And she, they said she is the sweetest little thing ever. So please pray for um, Sean, Heather, Everett, and Ellie as they learn to be a family. Little man, Everett, is five, and he's been the only child for five years. So it's a big adjustment for him. So just pray that this is just an easy adjustment for all of them and that things go smoothly and um, they're just blessed with, well, obviously they're blessed with her. So um, we're very excited to show that. Next, um, our October prayer focused is for our first responders, police, fire, um, Sheriff, CHP, you name it, pray for them because they need our prayers more than ever between the fires and between all the other stuff out there in the world. They need, they and their families need our support and they need our prayers. And so please pray for them. Also, as we always do, we pray for our government officials, our sitting president, our sitting governors, and all of those in charge making decisions supposedly on our behalf, right? 
So pray for them and pray that God fills them, that God directs them, God gives them wisdom, gives them knowledge, gives them discernment when making um, plans for us. So please pray for that. And then also please pray for your pastors, Kim House and I pray um, for our health and our protection and our safety. We get spiritual attack like crazy every week, sometimes daily, sometimes it's weekly, sometimes it's every minute. And um, we need your prayers. We covet your prayers for that and to keep us healthy and to keep us sane and rested and um, being able to come back and do this every week. So please pray for those as well. Next, continue to join us in our daily Bible reading. Um, House does a video every day so you can read your Bible and then go and look and see what he teaches on. You will learn more by doing that. And um, because I think really think it's important for you to read the Bible and see what God shows you. And then you see what man shows you. And you learn from both. And it's really cool to do that. So please join us. Alpha is coming up or has actually started two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, it's still not too late to join. How late is too late to join? This is about the last time. So if you, it's something that's been just eating at you like, wow, should I go? Shouldn't I go? Should I? If you're in that floppy area where I don't know if I should do it, do it. Because not making a decision is worse than making a decision to do it. Trust me on that one. I, I hope that made sense. So if you're flip-flopping of whether you should do this or not, just do it. Join them for a few weeks because after that, you will be glad that you did it. You're going to make new friends. It's all online. You're going to make new friends. You're going to get to know who God is um, on a deeper level. You're going to get some questions answered. And even if you're a longtime Christian, you're going to learn. Trust me on this. You're going to learn. And so please, even if you're going, "Mm, I don't know if I should, just do it. It doesn't hurt to join for a week or two. If then you decide it's just not for you, then you can step off. But trust me, you're going to want to do it. So contact house, um, hbhouse at gmail.com. He'll give you all the information. And um, they're Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. So please join us. Next one, teacher training is 4 p.m. on Sundays via Zoom. Again, if you need the link, contact house, hbhouse at gmail.com. And tonight is pivoting during the pandemic. Um, everybody has had to pivot businesses, churches, um, families, everybody has learned to, had to learn how to do things in a new way. We had to learn really quickly how to reach you when we couldn't meet together in the same room really quickly. Our first few attempts, actually, they were really good considering we had never done anything like that. They were really good. Kim was a master and poor Kim, you have no idea the hours she spent trying to put videos together from three different people. And then the panic that would set in when they wouldn't work right. And she worked her little buns off pivoting and pivoting and pivoting. And then all of a sudden we could open, well, we had to pivot because we had to do things differently still. And so we have been learning right along with all of you. So tonight would be a really good time to, you know, come and learn how to pivot. How do we how do we pivot during this pandemic and moving forward through the election time and through the new year? Because we really don't know what it's going to happen. So join us tonight. And that is 4 p.m. or this evening at 4 p.m. And again, contact house for the information. Next one. 
uh, tithes and offerings. You guys are generous beyond anything, and we just thank you so much for your um, your contributions, your dedication to this church. We love you all. Even if we haven't met you yet, we do love you and we pray for you. And we just thank you for your tithes and offerings. And so for those of you that are here, you have offering envelopes on the chairs. You can put a check in there in the envelopes. You can put cash in the envelopes. Put them back in the connection box, which is in the back. And for those of you online, um, you can go online to our website, to um, our Faith Life app. You can text. You can be a Patreon. The, all that information is on tinyurl.com slash Malachi310giving. That gives you all your information to get those tithes and offerings into us. So thank you so much. And today we are going to celebrate communion. So all of you grab here, grab your cups. Um, if you are, <laughs> excuse me, at home, please um, grab some juice, grab a little bread, grab a cracker, whatever it is. You can join us in communion. Um, you know, communion is a time that we get to come together and remember all that the Lord has done for us and in us and through us. And one of those things are the gifts he's given us. And like um, one of the men said, if Christ is in us, we have access to everything that Christ has. Everything that Christ has, if he is living inside of us, we have access to it. That is God's power. We have access to it. He's, you know, and the scripture says, if I say to that mountain, move, it'll move. You know, we don't even have to have a huge faith. We just have to have a faith of a mustard seed. That is scriptural as well. And so when we take communion, that is a time for us to remember that Christ is in us. He died for us to wipe away our sins so that we can live in freedom and victory with God, that we can access his power and have access to every gift and operate in every gift that he has. That's amazing to me. And so as we look at the the wafer, I really liked it when we had bread better. Um, but when we have um, look at this wafer, we think about Jesus sitting at the table with all of his disciples, even the one that betrayed him. And he said, he took the bread and he looked at it and he broke it in half and he said, take this bread and eat it in remembrance of me. My body's going to be broken for you. It's going to be broken to save you so that you can live in freedom, so that you can have access to my Father completely. Take and eat and remember it to me. And then after they had this gorgeous supper, they're lounging around the table and Jesus took his wine glass and he said this wine this red represents the blood i'm going to be pierced for you for your sins so that you can become pure and white as snow my blood's going to spill for you and i do this willingly because i love you i don't do it because i have to i do it because i want to i want you with me in paradise I want you to have access to my father. And so I willingly will do this for you. 
So drink this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Father, for the gifts you give us. Thank you, Father, for the best gift of all, and that was Jesus. Thank you for the gift of his death on the cross, the shedding of his blood, the the piercing of his body. Thank you for that. And Lord, as we go about our week, we ask that you help us to remember our childhood and the gifts that you had us operating in with, with freedom, with abandonment, with abundance. And Lord, help us to concentrate on the breath that you've given us, your breath, Lord, as we inhale and exhale. Lord, this week, help us to recognize gifts that you have given us. And that you want us to operate to further your kingdom to bring you glory. Show us, Lord, what those are. Lord, be with each person here and online. Bless them this week, Lord. Watch over them. Keep them safe. Keep them healthy. And bring them back again next week. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everyone, have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next week. Bye.